Chapter 16 is the chapter which describes the service of the high priest who atones for the sins of Israel. In atoning for the sins of Israel, who enters the Holy of Holies and the elaborate ritual that is described in chapter 16, including the entering of the Holy of Holies, the scapegoat sacrifice, the lottery, the incense which is brought in the inner chamber, which in a sense allows the high priest to enter the chamber. These are some of the major components of this service. The chapter begins by saying that Aaron, after the death of Nadav and Avihu, who drew near to God inappropriately, that's the beginning of chapter 16. With this may Aaron enter the holy place. Aaron may only enter the holy of holies, the holy place where God is, is present, with sacrifices. He may only enter it with these two sacrifices, namely a, uh, a, a bull for a, for a sin offering, I call chatat a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. The, uh, the Vilna Gaon noted that the Torah at this point says nothing about Yom Kippur. It sounds like any time Aaron wishes to enter the Holy of Holies for whatever reason, this is what Aaron must do. In any event, whether that be the case or not, it is certainly true that the end of chapter 16, Torah says that Beginning in verse number 29, This shall be for you a law for all time. That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall practice self-denial, let's call it. You shall do no manner of work not the citizen or the alien who resides amongst you, for on this day, atonement shall be made for you, to cleanse you, to purify you, for all of your sins you shall be clean before God. So this service, this elaborate service, described in chapter 16, takes place as the Torah, on the 10th day of the 7th month, the Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim. The Mishnah in Tractate Yoma, which is largely about the service of Yom Kippur, the service of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, Aaron, on Yom Kippur, the Mishnah is interested in figuring out how this elaborate description of chapter 16 fits in with, first of all, the daily sacrificial service in the temple, because every single day there are sacrifices and other things which take place in the temple, the lighting of the candelabrum, the bringing of the incense, the cleaning of, of, the, of the altar. Teacher, how does this work in terms of the timing of it? And second of all, how does this fit in with what we read later in the Torah, in the book of Babidbar, that on special holidays, 
there are additional sacrifices that are brought, what we call the musaf, the additional sacrificial service. Shabbat included, of course. How does this fit in with the description of chapter 16? So trying to work all this together, the Mishnah tries to work it out and describes to us what is the Seder Avodat Yom HaKippurim. It's a very interesting study, not for now, because at certain points it seems to deviate from the plain reading of the, uh, of, of the Torah. Perhaps for a different time we can discuss that. What's interesting here is that the Torah says, in describing the service of kapara, we'll call it atonement or purging, v'chiper ha-rakodesh mitumot b'nei Yisrael u'mipishayhem l'chol chatotam. The Torah describes the service of the high priest. The Torah says the priest is sprinkling blood, both in the Holy of Holies and on the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the Holy. And blood is also thrown upon the incense altar. And finally, some of the blood is poured on the outer altar as well. The Torah seems to be saying, fairly explicitly, that kodesh, that the purpose of this elaborate ritual, one of the purposes certainly, if not the primary purpose, is to purify, to purge the very sanctuary itself. There seem to be two, diff- two different purposes. One is that the scapegoat sacrifice, the sa'ir lazazel as it's called, uh, the Kohen will confess upon it, and in confessing upon it and placing his two hands upon the sacrifice, that animal bears the sins of all of Israel. So there's a confession of the sins of Israel, and there's the goat which carries them away to distant parts. That's one function. But in addition, v'chiper la-kodesh mitumot b'nei Yisrael. So I want to say something about this idea of atoning for the sanctuary. I mentioned uh, Jacob Milgram many times. Perhaps that's his primary point in his massive work, that the sanctuary itself becomes defiled through people's sins. And depending on the kind of sin, uh, the sanctuary can be defiled more or less. Intentional sins that people perform outside the temple carry with it a implication and a consequence for the very temple itself and the temple requires purification. I would formulate it this way. Earlier in the Torah, God had said to Moshe that after the golden calf, God said to Moshe, tell the people, in chapter 33 of Exodus, tell the people they can go into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. I'm going to send an angel. The angel will drive out the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, and give you a land of milk and honey, but I'm not going with you. And the reason is, you're a stiff-necked people. Lest I consume you upon the way the beginning of Exodus chapter 33. And Moshe prays to God, and Moshe and the people are mourning. 
and they take off their jewelry. And Moshe intervenes. And Moshe, as it were, reconciles God with the people. And God appears to Moshe, and God teaches Moshe the attributes of, of, of we call the attributes of mercy. Chapter 34 of Exodus. Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum, V'chanun. And when Moshe hears these attributes being taught to him, he hurries up, Vayimaher Moshe. And Moses says to God in chapter 34, God, if I find favor, grace in your eyes, walk amongst us, that which God had said God could not do. What does ki mean? So ki has different meanings in the Bible. Sometimes it means despite the fact. That's how some translators have it. Yes, you said you can't go with us because they're stiff-necked. Nonetheless, despite that, key, come with us anyway and be a forgiving God. Or does key mean because? I submit that the better translation here is because. And Moshe says to God, it's true what you said earlier. If you accompany us in your fullness, you will destroy us because no human being is perfect, because all humans are sinful. These people in particular are very stubborn. So better you not come with us. But I say something else. I implore you to come, not as God in God's fullness. I implore you to come as the God of the attributes of mercy, as the merciful God. And then your coming with us is not only uh, not dangerous, but actually helps us. Because you will accompany us as a forgiving God in this guise of God. It's what I submit is what God later in the Torah later says, the place where my name is to be found. What name of God is found in the sanctuary, in the Mishkan? It's this name. Hashem Hashem Kerachum Vachanun. That's the name that's present. So the Mishkan represents God's forgiving presence. And therefore, on the day of Yom Kippur, we want to set things right for the future as well as the past. What's important is that the sanctuary be fully purified so that the sanctuary can accompany us in all our journeys, uh, not only as God's presence, but as God's forgiving presence. And therefore, on the day of Yom Kippur, the Torah says, V'chipel HaKodesh, we have to purify the sacred space because sacred spaces too can become tainted. Tainted through our misdeeds, wherever they may happen. And we don't want the Mishkan to become a place which can't assist us in the future. We don't want the forgiving God to be tainted to such a degree, and that space be tainted to such a degree that it can serve our purposes, and hopefully God's purposes as well, to accompany us in all of our journeys. No, because they are so we need you. We need your forgiving presence. And that's the day of Yom Kippur, the dual aspects of Yom Kippur, the sending away of the sins, that's one thing, the purification of the space, which allows us to live with God, is equally important.